Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's show, perhaps it's a, bis- a little bit early, we're preparing for Arab Pesach, which is going to be Arab Shabbos. And the reason why we're doing this earlier as opposed to the week before Pesach is because really people have to get their minds in, in tuned because there's a lot of things that have to be done and it's good to know in advance what to do. Everywhere people are giving shiurim on it and hopefully uh, this presentation will, be, will prove helpful to everybody who's listening. Let me tell you that in the uh, Kashrus magazine this issue... We have a, a full story by Rabbi Yirmiyahu Kaganov, who lives in Eretz Israel. He's a, a shtickle poisek and a very knowledgeable person in the, the, in the halachic field and also in the kashmir field. And we have an article from him, which was developed specifically for us, even though he has a shorter article somewhere else. And this is uh, when, a guide to whenever a Pesach falls out on Shabbos. It takes you every step of the way down till the very end, uh, and that basically sets you up up until Pesach comes in. It's a beautiful little piece, uh, runs three pages in my magazine. In addition, we have something that I put together every year, it's called the Pesach Mitzvah Calendar, which t- takes every day and tells you what you have to do on that day, which I, th- I found very helpful over the years. Uh, people appreciate it because it's, it's, it gets sometimes confusing when you used to, sometimes you make Havdalah this way, sometimes Kiddush that way, sometimes you do this, you light candles before, sometimes you light afterwards. People remember those things, but there's a lot of little things here in the uh, calendar also that are very helpful to, the, to everybody not just for review, but just like a checklist. Uh, we, of course, have an article, which is the Pesach Seder, which goes through every aspect of the Seder itself. But today, I'm not concentrating on the Seder. I'm trying to concentrate on the preparation for Pesach. It's a little bit trying, uh, because Arab Pesach Shechalios B'Shabbos is unique. It doesn't happen every year. Um, and it, it's a challenge to do, get things 100% right. It takes a little planning, and everyone's going to get through it just the way we get through it every few years when it comes up. Uh, I, I, I would like to stress that when these things happen, that where where there is a, sp- a little bit of challenge trying to fulfill all of the requirements, it's specifically for us to concentrate on what we're really going through. A lot of times we get so used to what we do that it's it's natural and that we don't even think about what we're doing and it, it's just, that's all rote. But when you have something that comes up like this, there's a lot of issues and it, it makes you more attuned to what really is going on every single year. Without further ado, let's begin. I'm going to uh, refer mostly to uh, by Kaganov's article in, 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 in this discussion. Uh, on Thursday, which is, uh, th- which is March 25th, uh, is, is the beginning of the whole time period. Uh, usually in my magazine, when we have the ca- Pesach calendar, I have five slots on each page, two facing pages, so that's ten days which is the, what normally includes Pesach, which is eight days, Ere Pesach, which is the day before, and then the day before that, which is the Bidikas Hametz. So you need 10 days. But this time you need 11 days. So what I had to do, I had to bunch it up and put two days in one column. Of course, I highlighted it, make sure that everybody would understand that we're not talking about uh, the wrong day. But it's, it's really involved a little bit much more this year. So what happens is, normally we make Bedikas Chometz the night before Arab Pesach, because we're going to burn the Chometz the next day. And it's not just a question of uh, convenience or, uh, you know, uh, uh, or you know, a certain format. It's got to do with what we're doing. We're making a bracha on the night of uh, Bedikas Chometz, I'll be your Chometz on destroying the chametz, And we don't actually destroy the chametz then. It's, it's practically the only time I remember anything, maybe there, maybe there are other times, where we're making a bracha in advance of what we do. 
Normally, we make a bracha at the exact time we do something, uh, just before we do it. Some brachas are even made afterwards, but in general, every bracha that we know, there's few exceptions we make before we do something. And uh, the one, ex- the real exception is when a person is toivel, a person is becoming Jewish, they're toivel, they're making a bracha on tefillah, uh, made that bracha on tefillah is made after you did the tefillah already because the person isn't able to make it before. But in general, the bracha is always made before you do the act, and here we're actually making the beer chametz the next day. But it's considered to be one whole mitzvah. It starts at night where you make the bedikets chametz and you complete it during the day. But this year, it's not that way. Because the beer chametz, the destruction of the chametz, is going to take place on Shabbos. And of course not with a fire. We're going to discuss how we're doing it. But still in all, it's going to take place on Shabbos. It's not taking place on, on uh, Erev, Erev, Erev Pesach. I'm sorry, on, on the day before. Yeah, it's taking place on Pesach. But it's not taking place in the day we're going to burn the chametz. So we're doing Thursday night. Really, we could have done the Bedikas chametz Friday afternoon, which would make a lot of sense. But because that we always do it at night, and it's brought down in the Gemara, the whole <laughs> pages of Gemara discussing why it's done at night, and that is the halacha, and that's what we do every single year. So the Chazal... The Rabbanim wanted to keep it. We continued to do that on the night before Ere Pesach. So it ends up to be Thursday night. So Thursday night, 325, that's uh, March 25th, we're going to make Bedika Shametz at night. And we're going to make the bracha, and, but we're not going to complete the actual burning of the chametz, not, not burning the chametz is the next day, but we're not going to complete the destruction of the chametz until Shabbos. We'll show you how to do that. Okay, so that's, that's just the whole th- deal about Thursday. But Friday, um, and, and, uh, and Thursday, okay, they also, Thursday we also do the fast, for Bechayrin, because uh, we, we, don't do it on, we don't do it on Friday. We do it on Thursday. That's the minig. Uh, so we're going to fast on, on that Thursday. On Thursday night to make the Bidigas Chametz. On Friday morning, regular davening, without Tachanun, because it's Nisan. And although it's, ever, it's, ever, uh, it's not Erev Pesach, but on Erev Pesach we don't say Mizmor Lesoido or Lamnatzeach, but we do say that this Friday because it's not Erev Pesach. So you kind of get self-psyched up, right? So what do we do on Friday morning? We burn the chametz. So everyone's going to go burn chametz. But we don't say the kol chamira then because we're not completing, uh, we, we don't, we're, not, we're not completing in the, the destruction of the chametz until Shabbos. So we're not going to say the kol chamira then. We say a kol chamira the first night, at, you know, on Thursday night, but then when, when on on Erev Shabbos, we're not going to recite the Kol Chamira. We're going to do that on Shabbos when we actually finally destroy the Chametz. The reason for burning it on Friday is, again, to keep the minig up for people to remember and to understand that this is what we do, and not to get confused and not to, get, to forget the, the rules. So that's what we do. We destroy it. And there will be public burnings, etc. But, of course, we're not getting rid of all our Chametz. Because most of us, I don't know what everybody's doing, but most of us are going to eat chametz on Shat Shabbos. So if we're going to eat chametz on that Shabbos, we don't really want to uh, 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 get rid of all our chametz. We want everything to eat. So what we do is we put it aside, and we're going to use it on Shabbos. Much as the same as we do, perhaps, when a regular year where we put aside our chametz that we're going to eat the morning of Arab Pesach. But this year, where an Arab Pesach is going to be Shabbos, and we're going to burn the chametz on Friday, there's a long span where you could eat 100%, eat chametz all Friday afternoon and Friday night and Shabbos morning until the Zman. So that we don't have any reason to get rid of all our chametz. And... Uh, it, but leaving it exposed is not such a brilliant idea either. So we, basically we should put it in a way in which we're keeping it uh, locked up, you know, we're using it whatever, whatever sparingly we're doing on Shabbos, and then that's going to be the end of it. 
So uh, you got to be a little bit careful about that, and especially with children around. Everybody with children has to discuss it with their rov, how far to go with the children. Because children, to eat chametz on Pesach, on their Pesach, that's, uh, that's followed on Shabbos, is a little bit of uh, an interesting situation. So you have to uh, evaluate your children and, and what you could give them. We'll, we'll discuss it as we come along. So, now what about doing malacha on Erev Shabbos? It's a good thing every week to, to cut off before at Chatzos and not to do anything afterwards. But we're talking about most people will do, you know, we do want to work. Is it, does it have a din of Erev Pesach? Because Erev Pesach, there's a minig or a din that you don't work on Erev Pesach in the afternoon. So the minig is, well, I'm sorry, that, we, that uh, you can do malacha on this Friday because it doesn't have a din of Erev Pesach. Now there's a minute that people have to renew their Erev Chatzeros at this particular time on Erev Pesach. So this should be done, of course, on Erev Shabbos because you don't want to make Kenyanim and other things. Now, let me just go over quickly the Ian of Erev Chatzeros because most people are not busy with it all the time. Okay, if you believe you have an Erev in your town, in your area, in which you don't have any Erev Chatzeris that you make privately with your neighbors, then this doesn't apply to you at all. Because they do it in the town for the whole town. They'll renew the, the, uh, the Erev Chatzeris at Erev Pesach time. And the reason it's done there typically, it's not required, but it's the reason it's done there typically is because you're switching for new matzahs to the kosher Pesach, and uh, you make sure that they are kosher Pesach, make sure they're edible. This is a good time when everybody sort of renews it. The minig is, that's a minig among the Jewish people to renew the uh, Erev Pesach. If you yourself have an Erev with your neighbor, so then, uh, or neighbors, or this, then you will have to make, renew, renew, renew your, uh, your Erev Chatzeris at that time. It's not a very, very difficult thing to do. You don't have to have a gathering of all the people. Just your miyachet, you, you, so you, you give a box of matzahs, and you give it to somebody and say, please be zoicha these matzahs for the people in this area, and that they know that they're included. And then you go ahead and you will just uh, say the, uh, the, the appropriate uh, nusach for the Erev Chatzeris. The big question is, if you're in an area which some people say there's an Erev, and other people don't want to rely on that Erev. In such a case, if you're in such an area... It's smart not to make a bracha on the Erev Chatzeris. Because if you make a bracha on the Erev Chatzeris, it means there is no Erev. And you're making the bracha on the Erev Chatzeris. But what if there is an Erev, because it's already made, then your bracha is a bracha levatala. So we, we suggest the people to make sure that, uh, uh, that they're not included in the area where, where there is pro- maybe an Erev according to some, even though others are careful not to rely on that Erev. Okay. Now, the Seder preparations actually have to be done on Friday because there's too many issues. And, that, and this is a very important problem. Um, you know, of course, you can understand uh, a lot of people like to get their moro ready, um, and that's not a big deal. You go ahead if you're grinding it, you know, how you grind it, cover it over. It'll stay fine for a couple of days. I'm sure it'll taste very strong if it's covered over. If you're doing uh, the romaine lettuce and you're putting it, and you have a lot of people, you might want to put it into bags before, uh, before, this, before the time. It's always good to do it the day before if you can. Uh, now we're talking for two days. It's actually for three days because you're doing it on a Friday and you're not going to use it on Shabbos, but Saturday night, Motzei Shabbos, which is Yom Tov. And the next night, so you have two times you need the, uh, the, the romaine lettuce. So you could do all this on Friday. Um, anything else that you, some people actually like to break up the matzahs and put them into bags, because this way you have, uh, everybody has the right shear, and you don't have to get all nervous the last minute, and it's getting late, or we're going to need this man. So there's some people put bags, and this could also be done on Erev Shabbos. It's not appropriate to do all this work on Shabbos, because Shabbos, you can't do it for Motzei Shabbos, because that's hachana for the next day. 
So we don't want to do anything on Shabbos that ties into the Seder. So unless you want to wait a long time before the Seder to do all this stuff, it's it better to do everything before. Uh, really, it should be everything, which means, of course, you roast the zroya and the egg, you prepare the salt water, because salt water is a lot of salt, and according to some, you're not allowed to make that on Shabbos, and uh, even Yom Tov. Um, maybe you can on Yom Tov. But anyway, we make, the, the, make it on Arab Shabbos. We're going to make it this year. The charoises we're going to make. We're going to check and wash the moror and grind the horseradish. Everything is going to be done. And then you have to open the box of matzahs and, of course, the bottles of wine. They should all be opened before Shabbos. Now, the boxes of matzahs are really very interesting. I want to go a little bit into that because this is something that I don't think everybody knows. First of all, matzah does have to be uh, without any uh, kfulos. Kfulos is doubling over, or nefuchos, which is bubbled up. Now, what's the exact size of the bubbled up? It's not the teeny weeny bubbles that are so actually in every single matzah. It's a, a, a big fat bubble. If you have a question, you'll, you'll ask it of somebody. It really is about an inch high, not a small little bubble, but something that's about an inch high. And uh, that you would find, we're talking about, I'm talking right now about hand matzahs because it's very rare to find these kind of things in the uh, machine matzahs. There's a certain quality control. Usually doesn't happen over there, but it could happen. The kfulos are the more important. I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying more important. The kfulos are one that a lot of people do miss, and there's all kinds of levels of kfulos. So just to briefly explain kfulos to you, kfulos means a doubling over, because if you doubled over the dough, then it's very likely that it didn't get done well inside, because what happens is they, it, it bakes for maybe 30 seconds in the oven, not much more, uh, if it was baked for a minute, it would be ash. So it, it bakes in uh, like 30 seconds or something like that. And in that time, the, you're not going to be able to get well done in the middle of it if it's doubled over. So that's what we call kafulos. Now, sometimes the doubling over is very visible, like at the end of a matzah, edge of matzah, you'll see it look like a, I don't know, it, it goes back on itself. Uh, sometimes you see it scrunched in the middle. Sometimes you'll see a little pad of, uh, of, of matzah that was, uh, of dough, I'm sorry, that was pushed down, and you'll see it, the way it develops, you could tell it was a separate piece. Uh, there are different ways you could tell what's a kafula and how far you have to go. I'll leave it to, you know, whoever's your rabbinim to explain it to you. It's very hard to do it over the over this uh, telephone and, 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 and the internet. Uh, basically, some people look at it as if I see a line on one side and a line on the other side, that means it's a kfula. Some people say even a line on one side is a kfula. Uh, others say only when I, I can see it actually folding over onto myself as a kfula. So this I leave to you and to your abundance. But let's say there are kfulos, and there definitely are kfulos in matzos. Definitely, you buy matzos, anybody you buy them from, very often you're going to find kfulos, according to your level of what's called a kfula. So this should be removed before Pesach. First of all, it's, it could be, it's, uh, you, know, it's not, you can't eat it. If, if you hold it's a kfula, you're not allowed to eat it. You have to break off an inch around it, and that's all. But this really should be done every Pesach. So not only opening the bots of matzahs, you should look at all of them, and if you have any questions about kfulos, you'll discuss it with your rav or whoever helps you with halacha. Um, people are very knowledgeable about this, and they'll be able to discuss it with you even on the phone. Okay. So that gets you a little bit some of the preparation. Uh, we mentioned also... Now, we mentioned basically the same thing in, in my magazine as he has over here. Okay, so we're going, now with the Shabbos preparations of food, 
he, Rabbi Kaganov, gives some suggestions. He said you shouldn't get sticky chametz sticker food, so it won't be on your plates or whatever, and your, and your pots, and that, that should be, definitely you shouldn't have. But most people I know are going to use pesadika food. And they're just going to use chametz chalas, if they do. But they're not going to use chametz food. But if you do use chametz food, which is 100% possible, the problem is cleaning your pots. You can't do that on Yom Tov, on Shabbos. <laughs> and if you can't do it properly on Shabbos, then you have chametz stuck to it. So you don't want that. And you say, I have throwaway kalim. You may have throwaway kalim, things you're going to throw away. But the question is, if it has chametz on it, how do you throw it away? So that disposal in the garbage of the chametz is one of the biggest topics. The other big topic is what are we going to eat for, for, for chalos? That's the, the real, real question. But as far as disposal, that's a major issue. You have a limited amount of time. You don't want to have crumbs and chametz, gomor, in your garbage that's in your possession on Pesach, especially when you don't have pickup, even worse. So uh, no, there's no head terim, you know, leaving it around your backyard. Really, you want to not have any chametz possible, any chametz other than the, 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 the uh, chalas that you're going to eat. Now, I'm going to go on to, the, to more problems. He's, he, has a lot, he has a lot of suggestions, is Rabbi Kaganov. He says that people should be careful not to place their Shabbos candlesticks on a tablecloth in which you're serving chametz because you'll be unable to remove the candlesticks in order to get to the uh, to remove the uh, the plastic the the plastic tablecloth. So you get you, what you're going to have to do is make a candlesticks not on top of your uh, of your uh, tablecloth, or you're going to have to cut out a spot or something like that. But otherwise, you have a problem leaving your candlesticks on the table. I wouldn't advise anyway, when there's chametz there, I would advise you don't put them on the table at all if you can avoid it because of this very reason. that it, Not just that you can't be moving the tablecloth, but you're afraid any chametz is going to get on there. And uh, the kids around, it's going to happen more easily. Okay, so this gets us up till Shabbos. Okay, so Shabbos, going, going into Shabbos, we all know how to do that. We know how to... How to, how to uh, uh, like the Shabbos candles, etc. We're, we're into Shabbos now. Now this is Shabbos Hagadol, and uh, it's Erev Pesach, and we have the problem with the beer chametz and the meals, etc., etc. So Halacha says I have to have three meals on Shabbos. Ideally, the three meals means three meals with bread, or if you used matzah, you know, if that, if that was what you used, that's what you use. That would be three full meals. Problem is, if I make, uh, what am I going to do with my third meal? And let's do with the first two meals first. Uh, ideally, what we're going to do is, we're going to give ch- real challah to any adults or any children that we feel can handle it, uh, and, we, and we feel safe with it. We're going to give them real challah. And how we're going to do it is very, very important. Ideally, we're going to use little bulkalah. Because if, a, if you give somebody a bulkalah, he's, he's not going to go streaming along the table. Because if I'm going to stream it along, I pass my chalas along the table, and everybody can grab and take kala, so then what's going to happen is there are going to be crumbs, and the crumbs are going to move. They're going to be in different places of the house. But whatever you think, it's going to, ha- it's going to happen. The best thing is to confine the eating of the challah to one area. Now, some people go as far as you know, designating a specific area where you're allowed to eat challah, maybe over the sink or something like that nature. I don't suggest that. I suggest you eat in place, but that you have a, a, a tissue or I mean, a, a tissue maybe or a paper napkin that you're going to eat your chametz over. And you should get, if possible, but, uh, tissues or something that's very light that you could throw into the toilet if you need to, which is very 
possibly what you're going to be doing on Shabbos morning. So you really want to have that uh, tissue or, um, you know, or paper, paper napkin that you could throw into the toilet because you don't want to overstuff your toilet and uh, create a whole big shila, which <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to go even to discuss it. You could imagine what could happen. So you want to make it as simple as possible. Now you have to designate how, many, how much is somebody going to eat. So I can tell you from practical experience that you can't believe your children. Because the children will tell you, I can eat a whole roll, I can eat uh, this, I can do that. That's what they say and that's what they think, but that's not what they do. So you have to work together with them, figure out what you think they're going to be able to eat at the meal. And then you put it in front of them and you can hand it to them at the right time, etc. And make sure that they, they can eat it. If they can't eat it, of course, we're going to get rid of it in the toilet. But if you can eat, if they can eat it, fine. Try to get them to be realistic. Don't let them tell you to get two and three bulk. Like, ah, I eat so much challah, no problem. I can finish it off. <laughs> no problem. The only problem is that the father is the one who's going to be doing the uh, destruction of the, of the chametz. So it's, uh, I don't advise you to listen to your children 100%. And even yourself, you have to be gauge yourself. Remember, we want to have, uh, we want to have, not have leftover challah. That said, we have a different problem. We're supposed to eat at the Shabbos Sa'uda at least one kezayis, right? Minimum, right? Kezayis is, uh, uh, the way my Rebbe used to say, is like a piece of white bread. And he used to say that a bulkala, unless it's a very tiny one, the bulkala is like two pieces of white bread. Now, there are bulkalists that could be like four pieces of white bread, the giant ones. So we're not talking about giant ones. We're not talking chasenachalas, you know, the small chasenachalas. We're talking about a, a, the typical bulkala is at least one to two pieces of white bread. It's more than enough for the suda, and that should be enough for, the, for anybody if they want to use that. Now we're going to discuss halacha. Halacha is like this. If you are going to eat one bulkala, and that's for the whole meal, so you're going to have a bite. And then you'll have another little bite. But that doesn't work in terms of halacha. In halacha, it says, I'm supposed to eat a kezayah straight. After the hamotzi, you don't have to eat nonstop a kezayah, but it is strongly, strongly recommended that you eat a whole kezayah right away after the hamotzi. Not even to talk. That is strongly recommended in halacha. At least what you make a, you'd make a drop and you swallow and you, you, okay, but, it, but just to eat a little nibble and then to eat the fish or whatever it is and then go back to that nibble and nibble and nibble doesn't work in terms of halacha. You're always supposed to start the meal with the kezayis of bread. Afterwards, you eat the rest of it. Now, how you eat the rest of it does not matter. It could be schlepped out over a long period of time. It doesn't have to be eaten within three or four minutes. It could be stretched out whenever you want. But the first kazai should be eaten at one time, which means you have half your roll taken care of already. So now people who do like to eat a lot of challah could be caught over here with not enough challah to enjoy the meal, and therefore I suggest you be very realistic. And if you want to share... Three challahs for two people, or you know whatever, something like that. Fine, but whatever it is, plan to do it in advance. If you get a real challah, a whole challah, then I advise strongly that you cut it up into slices before Shabbos and put it into the plastic bags and give those to the people, and they could be yotze the bracha of hamotzi and of lecha mishnah with you, meaning the father. And they don't have to eat from that, that challah. It's not required. If you want them to eat from that challah then, and you're going to cut it up and you're passing around, we're going to have crumbs. So the advice is you're going to have a piece of challah in front of you. From the, the, you're going to, the, the hamotzi will be motzi you and when they, it will motzi you with the lecha mishnah. That's fine. If not, then, um, then, you could, then what you could do is you could have just a, a bulk in front of you 
And again, you could we can make hamotzi, and you could eat from there. And the hamecha mishnah, you, you, the person who's making a hamotzi is doing the mitzvah of lecha mishnah for everybody in the room. Okay, so that takes care of the hamotzi and uh, how much chali you're going to have. Now Friday night, it's no big deal, but we still have the crumbs. So what are we going to do with the crumbs? So again. We don't want to take all these crumbs in a whole bunch of tablecloths and, uh, and just, you know, just put it into the garbage. And what are we going to do with the garbage? So I, I, ideally, we are going to try not to have the crumbs except in these tissues. And hopefully then we could take that to the bathroom after the sauda and put it into the toilet and slowly flush them in. I mean, there wouldn't be very much of an, of an issue at all. And the tablecloths, of course, we're going to call it chametz stick. And we're going to use only plastic throwaway utensils. We're not going to use anything on the table that has to be washed after Pesach or stuffed away somewhere. We don't want to deal with that. We're going to use kosher Pesach dick of foods, hopefully. And it's only the challah. And that, the crumbs remaining from the challah, we're going to take care of by uh, putting it, uh, eating them over this t- uh, little tissues or tissues and throwing that into the toilet carefully. And then, in a sense, the tablecloths are clean. I don't say reuse them. I don't say save them after Pesach. You're going to throw them out. But at least you don't have any crumbs. And if there's a mashu there, it's nishkafelech. But you don't want to have a whole punch of challah thrown in your garbage. You don't really want to have that because it creates a whole big shiloh. Ideally, what we're going to do with all our garbage is that we're going to not make it into a... Uh, it, we're, not, we're not going to make it into... Uh, uh, I don't know where, what you have. If you have a place where you can take your garbage out on Shabbos and put it near the street where it's not on your property... It's uh, there for pickup, and, and you're not going to get fined for relieving it there. And, and then, you, then that could be done on Shabbos. Uh, if, if, it's, if it's called the Graf Shavai, we'll discuss it, but you, know, you have to discuss the Shiloh about whether it's mutter to carry your garbage out, um, even if it's not a Shiloh from, uh, from the area, from, from carrying outside the area. Maybe it's, a, it's garbage, but then it's, it may be usable, and you have to discuss that whole topic with some... We're not going to go into it right now. But most people will not have that opportunity if you live in areas that don't have a, an Eruv. So then you're going to have uh, to leave everything on your property. So we really don't want any chametz in our garbage. If there's a masher who is left of the crumbs, we don't have to cry about it because it's not a sheer, it's not big enough to be halachically a problem. So we're not really worried that there are some small crumbs. But to just grab a hold of all the crumbs in a big, uh, grab up the uh, tablecloth filled with crumbs and put it in your garbage, that is a problem. Because then you have uh, more than a kazayas in one place, and, of course, we're going to say, Kol chamira, da, 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 but it's not appropriate. The best thing is, as I said, you eat your chametz over tissues or a na- paper napkin, but not a heavy-duty paper napkin, something that could be easily biodegradable. Put it in the toilet, flush it. You took care of the problem for Friday night. Now, there are people who are going to do a different approach. They're going to use matzah ashira, which is egg matzah, which some people use on Pesach, an old person, a sick person, a child. Some people are allowing that to be used. We, in general, don't use it except for the children or the sick people. They say people with problems with their teeth. I don't know how much problem with their teeth it is an issue because really you could soak the matzah. So it's not such a, for a regular healthy person, it shouldn't be such an issue that they should be using the matzah ashira, the egg matzah. Other people were going to do something a little different. They're going to take a matzah and they're going to, um, and, and they're going to 
cook it. It's called matzah asira. It's with it's it, what they do is it's called uh, uh, boiled matzahs or cooked matzahs or whatever they call it, cooked matzahs. I think some people do that. Uh, they make up they make a knedelach, but there's a problems with the brachos. Problems with it and. And let's say we do the matzah ashira. So matzah ashira means you're going to eat, you have to eat a lot. I can't right now, I don't have the uh, wherewithal to figure it out, but let's say, for example, at the Seder itself, what is the amount that you're supposed to have of a matzah? What, how much does a person have to eat for the shear? So we have a chart that's on page 41 of the, of the kosher supervision, I mean of the Passover guide, our Passover guide, the uh, the Kashmir's magazines uh, 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 five seven eight one twenty twenty one Passover guide. So page forty one, we have a picture here of the size of what you have to have for uh, for matzah. So it seems that for a matzah, um, y- you need you need you need seven by six and three eighths inches you need for alachil smatz and for the afikomen. It's a nice big size. You see the picture on page 41. Uh, that's the size of a, of a matzah. So it's, it's exactly the size of a regular square matzah. So that's the square matzah of a regular matzah. But when we deal with matzah ashira, which is, uh, uh, which is the um, uh, egg matzahs, so the problem there is that it's not all flour and water, Instead, they're using the eggs or whatever else they're using in there to create the, the, the matzah shira. And that's what uh, makes it different than matzah. But that is a, creates a problem now for us because the content of flour is much, much less. It's a very light product. It doesn't taste the way a matzah tastes. It's, a very, it's like a, a cracker and like a cookie or something. So it, it doesn't have the amount of flour that you have in a regular matzah, so you're going to have to eat even more. So that's a lot of matzah. And if you're eating maybe a double size, I don't know if you have to eat that much, but still you have to have quite a bit to have in place of the bread. So for an adult, it gets a little sticky. For kids, it's a great idea. They're going to use matzah shira. They're going to use egg matzah, get it with a good, good ashkacha, da-da-da, fine. Uh, comes Pesach, the fact that we don't eat it doesn't mean it's chametz. So we don't have to be so worried about that. You're going to say you're called chamira anyway. Uh, if you're not eating this all Pesach, you have no children eating it all Pesach, so you're going to put it away. But we're not going to call it chametz, and you, you re- reduced your problems if you're using that. I still, I still opt for uh, regular, regular challah. Now, comes Shabbos morning, and now we, we, have, um, we have a different problem over here on Shabbos morning, because on Shabbos morning, uh, A, we have to get up very early, and we've got to daven early, and you have to eat at least one meal in the morning. And uh, that has to be done in, in, in order to get challah that we're eating. So we have to have challah has to be finished, and we have to destroy the challah before this man beer, which is going to be printed. Everyone's going to get a, the, know the time in their area where they're going, where, by which time you can no longer eat chametz, and by which time you have to have destroyed the chametz. So we have to plan backwards that the day is going to start early, and that we're going to eat that meal and complete it, uh, or at least not deplete the meal, complete eating our chametz at that time and get rid of it. So now that's what a lot of people are going to do. There are other people who are going to try to have a second meal with challah shortly in, in that short period of time. Now I don't have the schedule in front of me. I didn't, I didn't check it up. I really should have, but I didn't check it up. But let's say, for example, you're davening at 6.30, and they're going to finish by 8 o'clock. I don't know the time even of the beer chametz and the eating the chametz. You're going to rush back. You can eat right away. And now you had your first meal. You're going to have something in that meal. Let's say you, you filled the fish, 
or whatever it is, in, then you're going to bench. And then you're going to have a second meal, maybe a half an hour later, maybe less than half an hour later. Maybe some people have a minute to walk outside, take a little walk for a, few, a little while. Some people actually wait a half an hour in between, and then you're going to make your second meal, if there's still time for all this to be done. And you're going to make your second meal and have at least your bread, your challah. And then you're going to destroy the chametz. Now, how do you destroy the chametz? We said it already a few times, but we'll go over it again. What I'm going to take is this challah, whatever's left over, and I'm going to take it to the bathroom, and I'm going to put it in... I'm not going to do the sink. Um, it's not a smart idea to use the sink. First of all, not much water goes down. It's easily clogged. Uh, the, the sinks in the kitchen, you, you're obviously not going to use because you don't want to make a chametz stick. And in the bathroom, you don't want chametz in the sink that you're going to be washing and using. And no, so it's going to be the toilet. You're going to have, uh, if you, you're going to have to take each, you know, roll or whatever it is and put it in there. Now, if you put a whole challah into the toilet and flush it, you're going to have the, it's going to get stuffed up. The only way this thing works is you break it up. You're allowed to do it. You break it up into little pieces and you put it in and don't fill it up. You're going to have to take your chances. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how to do it. This is not, you have to have a cabal in this. Basically, you're going to have to break up, a, let's say, one whole bulk of a, you're going to It's going to take you two or three or four times to flush down the toilet. So if you leave over four bulkalach, you've got to allow a lot of time. You've got to allow a lot of time. And you have to realize that, that uh, keep flushing also so that it helps the get, out, get out of the building. And, uh, but we don't have to worry about where it gets, if it goes through the trap, it didn't go through the trap. That's not our business. It's completely destroyed when it's thrown into the toilet. But, but we have to uh, get them all out before this man, because you want to say the call chamira and have nothing in our presence, because we don't even know what to do with it if we don't use this toilet. Hopefully everyone's situation works out well, and we'll be able to destroy all their chametz. But you have to plan to leave a lot of time for this. Remember, small pieces is not a chunk. Small pieces is like, uh, I, I can't even describe it. It's hard to say. Uh, I'm trying to think, I'll say, the size of a pea, that would be a good idea. Slightly larger, but not much more than that, because otherwise you're going to have it get clogged up. And you throw 10, 15 pieces like that, flush, and then another 10, 15 pieces of flush. So it takes you a couple of times to get rid of one bulkala, and the whole, the whole business will take you 15 minutes or 10, 15 minutes, that's all. Not going to take an hour, but you have to allow that time. And then afterwards you say the kol chamira, um, wash your hands, call chamir, and that's it. Okay, that's, that's fine. We sort of did all three meals. People who don't want to do the three meals, they'll, do, they'll fill in later on with something else. But now we have a shayla. Again, we got rid of our chametz. So what's left? And we ate our meal. What's left? We didn't finish our meal because there wasn't enough time. And you didn't have the chalent yet. And the kids want this, and they have dessert, and and it was mirrors, Shabbos, Kodesh, you're not finished yet. So what are we going to do? But there's no bread anymore. Ah, there's no bread, and I have a su'uda. So the question is, what about brachos on the rest of the meal? Normally what happens is, when I make hamotzi, I I include everything else under that hamotzi, except for maybe uh, the fruit. Some people make a bracha on cake at the end. Some don't make a bracha on cake. If you have wine, make a bracha on wine, unless you made it at the Kiddush. So we know how a su'uda works, any su'uda. But the question is, how do we work with this era of Pesach, Shechalias, B'Shabbos, and we removed all the chametz, and we even said, call chamira, there's not a drop of chametz left in our house. We actually got rid of it all. Beautiful. But now what do we do with the meal? So the answer that I'm going to give you is what I personally feel is the correct answer. And there are some who hold that you don't have to worry because you had to have, in the beginning, when you had the bread and you had something with the bread, so that's enough. The fact there's nothing left. Sometimes you run out of bread. 
But I would say, not that way. I would say, make a bracha, a shahako, on something you weren't planning to have that day. You don't, that's not part of your meal. If you have a piece of candy, kashla pesa, make a shahako. If you want a, you want sugar or something else, make a shahako. Don't make a shahako on water. Don't make a shahako on something else. That you don't make a shahako on your meat. That's part of the meal. Something that's definitely not part of the meal. Make a shahako. And have in mind everything else that's, that's there, even if it'll be ha'etz, ha'dama, it wouldn't make much difference. Because it's only a suffix. Because many people hold that it's sufficient that you had your hamotzi and you had your challah and you had some food with it. And now it's just an extension of the meal. You don't have to have bread till the very, very end. But others would say, no, since it's completely removed from the table, then it should be that you should make another bracha on the foods that you have. Some would say you'd have to make brachas on other things. You know, I ate, you have to make on anything you ate appropriate brachas. I don't believe that that is, that that is necessary because of there's enough suffix here. You can discuss this with your own rub, but th- that's the etzah that I give you. So now, um, I think we got most everything here accomplished. And uh, the problem that comes up is that there's a third Shabbos meal for the people who didn't do what I wanted them to do in the morning. They decided that's too much for them. And they decided that they're going to, uh, they, they can't eat that much. Uh, they don't want to break up their meal. Uh, they got, got up too late. So what do they do with shalashudas? So some people will have a shalashudas where they have a knedel. Some, again, you have to eat it before a certain time. Some people will, will instead uh, do this uh, special, uh, uh, this they might use matzah shira or kanadal. This is what they would do for shalashudas. Other people will just maybe be yotzei with uh, meat and potatoes. Agaborche, since it is Arab the Seder, so it's a very, very good idea to eat something late in the afternoon, uh, meat and potatoes or something of that nature, because it's going to be a long time until you eat the suet at night especially if you had these two meals very early in the morning, and then you're not going to eat the su'ud at night until close to 11, 11.30, quarter 12, you know, and if you don't hold the, and if you don't hold the chatzos and try to finish before chatzos, you might have it after 12, you, so there's a lot of hours in between, so the eights of toiva is to have some meat and potatoes or something filling in the afternoon, because it's not a real normal situation, it's not a regular normal week, where uh, after Shabbos will be over, you'll have a Malva Malka an hour later on. No, here you're going to be very hungry, and it's an Eitzah Toiva to eat at least uh, meat and potatoes or something strong in the, in the afternoon. Does that fulfill Shal Shudas? No, but as a backup, it does. Meaning that if you didn't have bread in the afternoon, it would still be for it would be considered to be if you eat something in the afternoon, that that is a mokom shalashudas. It's not a zilzil in Shabbos. It's not, not you're not fulfilling the three meals. But the appropriate thing would be to have a, a, a real meal, either in the morning with those two suudos, or use the matcha shira or the. Or the uh, or, or the, uh, the the the, the, the or the um, or the knadels, and and what whether that creates hamotzi situation or not, I'm not going to discuss right now. But let's talk to your rabbanim about it. With the matzashira, might be able to create a situation you make hamotzi. But how much matzashira you have to have? How much of that uh, uh, that you would have to have? I cannot tell you right now. Some people. Use these uh, cooked matzah. It's called matzah of Vushelis. I have an, a letter that somebody wrote, an email that somebody sent over here. It says that, and of course the Hasidim don't like the idea uh, about eating uh, any anything, any the matzah that would be good at the seder in advance, which is why we don't use regular we don't use regular matzah. Uh, and even the day before Pesach, everyone has a minute not to eat matzah 
the, uh, for the Seder. But here's an additional, uh, issue, uh, additional situation where if we can make what they call matzah mevushelas, cooked matzah, which is like a canadal, only they do a whole matzah and cook it and they try not to get it too soft and yet they hold it will be to get, hold together and they're going to make hamotzi on it. Because it's not anymore, that's what it seems to be what they're doing here. So let me read to you what it says. Um, it doesn't describe it here how to make it, but uh, he, the, the, what they're doing is using this as a, as it's not considered to be, I mean, they, they consider it not to be regular matzah because it's not, because it's been cooked. And yet, it is the same thing as the actual matzah you're going to eat on the Seder night. So, people who are not makpen on that think this is an acceptable situation um, and actually use a whole matzah somehow. They do it. They're careful. Here's what he said in this article here. He said, we did it 13 years ago and intend to do it this year as well. It's not that hard to do. You have to handle the matzahs carefully to maintain shlemus of the matzah. They don't break the matzah. But you do not have to soak it but for a moment. So I don't know uh, how long you really do have to soak it to remove the shayla from eating the matzah, the seder, and give you the time of matzah that night. I don't know the amount of time you'd have to cook it personally, and I wouldn't uh, be able to uh, comment on this any more than to let you know that there are some people who do this. So let me go back. Um, since we've taken you basically through Shabbos and uh, we, 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 we got all the way up to the Seder, but there's at least two more points that I'd like to make, and then we're going to go through some of the uh, aspects of the Seder itself. I mean, I'm sorry, of that week uh, that were in my uh, checklist. We're going to take a, Shab, a, a Shabbos nap, nap. Why are we going to take a Shabbos nap? Because we're knocked out. We just got up very, very early in the morning. It was a very active day. And it's a long day. And you can't do anything else. I and mean, we can't do any hachanas for the Seder. And it's getting along. And thank God the, you know, the weather's good. But, the, but it's, 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 the days are getting longer. You're going to take a nap. Or you might take a nap. You have to know one thing. Don't say that you're taking a nap in order to stay up at the Seder. Because that, some people hold that's considered hachana for the next day, preparation for the next day. So you say, I gotta take a nap now. That's true. I'm Amish knocked out, I need the nap. Fine. I, I, you know, but, but don't say the words, I'm, I'm taking a nap now so that I'll be able to stay up at the Seder. Because that's preparation for, that's talking about preparation for, for non-shoppers. Another thing I want to share, share with you is that these matzahs that you're going to use for the Seder, the matzahs you're going to use for the Seder, again, n- not kosher Pesach matzahs, but the matzahs that you're going to use for the Seder, such as the three matzahs. Well, to me, it's no big deal, because I, I, to me, I don't have any special matzahs. But there are plenty of people who have matzahs mitzvah. When I was a kid, they, did, they used to use the machine matzahs, and we did matzahs mitzvah was the hand matzahs. Now I use hand matzahs, so, uh, so, so there's, there's no difference between this matzah mitzvah, that matzah mitzvah. But there are some people that have special matzahs. They got it from the Rebbe, they got it from uh, the special bakery, uh, somebody sent it to him, you know, got bought it from a very bakery. So some people have, these are the matzahs for the Seder. If these are the matzahs for the Seder, the matzah's mitzvah, then they shayla in halacha whether they're muksa, whether you can actually move them at all on Pesach. The machlekes, because some hold that synth that's really kosher to give it to a child on Erev Pesach, even though we can't eat regular matzah on Erev Pesach, but we could give it to a child, they're fetching, we could give them some matzah, so they hold that this this should qualify to remove the Shiloh from, from, uh, from being muksa, And I'm not sure the exact muksa could be muksa machmes or something of that nature, or huksa le mitzvah, so maybe that's the mitzvah, 
maybe that's the uh, hook, the myth, the muksa that exists. But whatever the muksa is, so some people hold it. You can't give it. That's not muksa because you can give it to a child. I believe that's a chazanish. But the primagodim and the kafachayim say that it is muksa. So again, it's the matzis that are called matzis mitzvah in your life, if they have such a thing. I don't have it, but many people do have a thing they call matzis mitzvah. They, they plan to use this only for the seder for some special reason. That takes on the quality of a certain level of muksa, and according to least to some, and shouldn't be given over to anybody else. So that really concludes more what we had. Just to mention quickly something else on the topic... Of, uh, of, this, of this calendar is that when we, when we light the candles, Motzei Shabbos, we have to do a Havdalah candle. This, uh, uh, the Havdalah candle is done when we make Kiddush at the Seder, the fir- at, the, uh, at, the, at, the, at the Seder, we're going to make, which first Seder is going to be Motzei Shabbos, and the last day of Yom, uh, when the last day of Yom Tov comes in, which is Shabbos is going out, and the last day of Yom Tov is going in, the eighth day, which is 4-4, uh, April 4th. So when you're making those, those Kiddushes and Havdolahs, what we, we have, the Minig, is we do Ner, Kiddush, Havdolah, and Zman. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, we, we, we do Yak Nahaz, Yayin, Kiddush, Ner, Havdol, and Zman. Again, Yayin, Kiddush, Ner, Havdol, and Zman. The question is, we have to have a Havdolah candle. Now, you can't light this Havdolah candle on Yom Tov with a match. We're going to have to get it from an existing fire. But you have to have a double candle. So he creates an interesting Shailin Halacha. Because if I take two candles and hold them together, I have welded them in a, holding the, for the time you need to hold it for the, for the duration of this Kiddush is going to weld the two candles together and A, you can't separate them and then it's going to create a, a shail and halacha whether, whether, you did it, whether you did welding them together and if you pull them apart, whether you broke it whether, it's, whether that's permitted on Shabbos and Amiantav so we, what we do is we, we have two possibilities you buy these special candles which are called I don't know what they're called. Two, there are two wicks in them. They're, they're for Havdalah candles. They call them Yak Nahaz candles. That's what they call them. Yayin Kiddush Ne'er Zman. For this particular purpose, when you're making the Kiddush, ending Shabbos, going into Yom Tov, you, you, you have this, you use this special candle. So when this candle is lit, there are two wicks coming out of the same candle. It's called, it's called Havdalah candle. And then you put it away. Like, again, you can't put it out. You have to put it down in a place where it's going to stay. So you really have to prepare a place for that candle to stay before Shabbos comes in. You have to know where you're going to put that candle. That's a very important thing. It, it becomes mamish sugar if you don't know that. Because where are you going to put it in the sink? You have to put it down somewhere. It has to be in a candelabra or something where it's going to be able to stay. That's one possibility. But if you forgot to do that, so remember this. All you have to do is take two candles... But don't hold them together until the bracha of, for, for the, uh, for, for the neir. When he says the bracha for the neir, when the, whoever's making Kiddush says the bracha for the neir, for the, for the, for the, the, the candle, because you say, Yayin Kiddush neir of Dal and Zman, when he says for the bracha for the neir, so you'll hold them together, the two, and you then take right away part. They won't weld together. It only takes about uh, 30 seconds. It's not, not going to be enough to be a problem. It's if you keep it there for two minutes, it's a problem. So that's the two eights for the Havdalah candle. And uh, I didn't go through Tal. I didn't go through other things. All that's in my book. But uh, right now the time is up, so I thank you very much for listening. This has been your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine, uh, trying to help you get ready for Pesach and myself to get ready for Pesach too. And if you get a chance, if you're interested in getting the, uh, co- the, the 2021 kosher, I'm sorry, the Passover guide from us, you give us a ring or you uh, send an email to kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com or call us at 718 
336-8544 or 732-534-9363. And in the book, we have also the Chicago Rabbinical Council's uh, shopping cart. Uh, they have a Passover shopping cart chart. I'm sorry, a chart, not a cart. It's four pages, a beautiful piece. Uh, tells you everything you have to know about what's usable and not usable for Pesach. The guide is filled with very valuable information and t- three unbelievably wonderful stories, but I, I can't even talk about them now. Take good care. Everyone should have a wonderful week.